Rochuk here, and welcome to Episode 28 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, and that is the secret sauce. We have an educational episode planned for you today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's still divided into three parts, you, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers, and rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and you can always listen in on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever your favorite podcast provider may be. Today, for the you part, we got a good one. We have a response to my response to liquor store privatization. I love the back and forth. And we also have a question about a battle going on between deed restrictions and voter referendums. Who's going to win, I wonder? After that, part two is all about them. Each episode, we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. And today, our guest is all cultural. We have the founder and chief administrative officer of the Mathematics, Civics, and Sciences Charter School of Philadelphia, Ms. Veronica Joyner. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended. Today's rant, if we don't let our kids get away with certain things, why do we let our government get away with them? And throughout the show, as is our recently established custom, we will be featuring two, count them, two Pennsylvania Toastmasters. The first Toastmaster will be serving as a narrator to read our live commercials. And our narrator today is a member of the SEPTA Toastmasters Club in Philadelphia, Susan Hawkins. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Sue. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I know. And you know, one thing I'd like to do to the Toastmasters who come in, I'd like to hit them with an impromptu question. Tell me what you like about Toastmasters. Well, I love that it's given me confidence to speak publicly and to be clearer in the way that I deliver my messages. Mm-hmm. That certainly changed my life. We were talking about it just beforehand. I used to get asthma attacks yeah. if I tried to speak in public. Toastmasters changed my life, but more about that later. As I mentioned, we have two Toastmasters with us today. The second one is a more experienced Toastmaster who will help read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and hopefully contribute to the conversation with our guest. It's a new role that I call cohort. Our cohort today is from the We the Speakers Toastmasters Club in Plymouth Meeting, distinguished Toastmaster Art Farnsworth. This is his third stint on the Pennsylvania Project, in fact. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Art. I'm here for my hat trick. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Why? Why are you back? You begged? (laughs) No, I very much enjoy this show. It's a great station. It's a great show. And I think this is important content to air for the fellow Commonwealth citizens. I agree. And you were one of the best ones. In fact, you were arguing for the, the new sort of a position where you can interact a little bit more. I find that an interesting idea. Yes. And it's your, you can blame yourself. It's all your fault. <laughs> all right. So let's dig into that mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but to explore solutions. What do we got, Art? Well, first from Wexford, Pennsylvania, we have Chris Kokanov who is regarding your comments in episode 25 regarding liquor store privatization, writing back and saying, basically, you are saying, Ken, you don't really care what happens to the employees of the PLCB. That's the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board for those outside of the Commonwealth. And he opines, that is a shame. 
The private sector will not pay the wages we make now. They will not give us the great benefits provided by the state either. I would encourage you to change your position, Mr. Krawchuk. The only thing I agree with you in your email was the Johnstown flood tax. There is no need for it anymore. Well, interesting. Well, thanks for getting back to me, Chris. Pardon me if I disagree with some of your basic premises there, because I care very deeply for the welfare of all of my fellow citizens, even you PLCB employees. Let me give a little background to remind our listeners of the issue. This was back in episode 25, three episodes ago. I said how I stand strongly in favor of liquor store privatization and ending the state's monopoly on alcohol sales. Well, everybody knows monopolies are bad. It's right off the top of my head. And it is a communistic model. Funny for a free country. I also said how ending that monopoly would do a lot of good for Pennsylvania, because once we sell all those stores, not only would there be a large cash infusion coming into the state treasury, there'd also be a sudden big boom in the number of opportunities available to the, in the private sector and to PLCB employees like you, Chris. The best of the current employees would have little trouble with the transition. In fact, it'd be a great entrepreneurial, op- entrepreneurial opportunity for them. And it's true, some of the worst employees might have to seek out other employee opportunities, but that's the way our our free market system works. The upshot is that the quality of service in the alcohol industry would improve overall, because that's how capitalism works, why it's better than the socialism of the existing state-run private system. And, you know, Chris, you have to ask yourself, why? Why won't the private sector pay the wages you make now? Why won't they give you the great benefits provided by the state? I don't know what the situation is, but maybe you're getting overpaid for what you do at the expense of Pennsylvania's alcohol drinkers. Well, that's true. Then it's because of that communistic model, because of the monopoly, because we have no other choice except to go shopping out of state. But if it is true that you're one of the better people, you wouldn't make the same money. You wouldn't have the same benefits. You'd do much, much better. Chris? I mean, when I went into business for myself, my overall financial situation improved. And like any libertarian, I believe you have the right right to live your life your way without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others. Privatizing that liquor monopoly would provide that great opportunity for you, especially since you already know the business. You put all that knowledge to work, end up making more than you do today, getting better benefits. As I said, I work for myself now for about 30 years. And I found it extremely rewarding, and I, I'll bet that you would, too. So that's why I care about you PLCB employees, the competent ones, I should say, the ones who don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they should probably get another job. I also care about we, the shoppers, about getting better service, better options, better prices. But I'm not going to sacrifice that general welfare of all of us alcohol drinkers just to support a communistic monopoly and overpaid workers. That would be helping Peter at the expense of Paul. If I did that, people might start calling me a politician. And Kenny, don't play that. I believe we're one of only two states in the union right now that still have this throwback to prohibition era system in place I for believe, alcohol control. I believe that's correct. I think the other one is Utah. And Pennsylvania is the sixth largest purchaser of alcohol on the planet. So there, there's a lot of revenue coming in on that. But There'll be a lot of revenue coming in when they start up all those businesses. And that crazy Johnstown flood tax, which we talked about before, too. I don't want to get back into that. You go back and listen to episode 25. It's right there in the beginning. I said a lot more to Chris about it, too. That's probably why he took exception to it. 
All right, let's move on to Swarthmore right down the road here with Bob Small. Here's a word you don't hear all that often. There's been a whole hullabaloo in Swarthmore over the following. The Biddle Tract Deed Restrictions, created by a Swarthmorean Quaker over 100 years ago, precludes the sale of alcohol on any areas included in the Biddle Tract. The Biddle Tract covers the business center and includes some residential areas. There was a recent referendum that changed Swarthmore to a wet town. Does the deed restriction, he asks, overrule the referendum or vice versa? There is litigation going on about the above. That's a very interesting question, Bob. When I first saw that, my top of the head guess was, I don't know, but I looked into it. <clears throat> Let me give some background. Uh, start off with uh, deed restrictions. What they are is private agreements that will restrict the use of any real estate in some way, and they're put right into the deed. So when you sell the property, those restrictions stay with the property. They're kind of like zoning laws, except they're private agreements and usually much, much more restrictive than just zoning and not liable to tampering by politicians. Deed restrictions are notoriously difficult to remove, especially in Pennsylvania, fortunately. And generally speaking, deed restrictions don't expire unless part of the restriction itself has an expiration date. And sometimes they do. They'll say 99 years or something like that. So that's a deed restriction. Now, on the other hand, a referendum is some sort of a direct vote in which the entire electorate is invited to vote on some kind of proposal. Like, for example, what you talk about in Swarthmore. Fortunately, here in Pennsylvania, our Constitution strongly supports the idea of referendum and initiative. I have my Constitution right here. It's never far away. So referendum and initiative is enshrined right up front. Article 1, Section 2 in the Declaration of Rights. And let me read it for you. Quote, all power is inherent in the people, and they have at all times an inalienable and indefeasible right to alter, reform, or abolish their government in such manner as they think proper. Unfortunately, our state government has chosen to ignore that clause. You know, there's a referendum handbook published by the state, and I'll put the link in the show notes so you can look for it at yourself. And right up front there, too, in their very first paragraph, it denies that people have that right. It says, the people govern themselves through their elected representatives. Cut me a break. How's that again? I don't know. The handbook does mention local referendums like the Swarthmore one and others specifically mentioned in the Constitution, like ones about changing town boundaries, forming area governments, debt authorizations, fire taxes, things like that. So with the Biddle Tract and Swarthmore, we've got two competing concepts, deed restrictions, referendums. When it comes down to the brass tacks, which one's going to win? What do you think, Art? Referenda, of course, as you said, represent the voice of the people. However, assuming that deed restrictions are in the form of a contract, that's very strong. Contract law is one of the strongest forms of law in our nation. I must admit that I am largely ignorant on deed restrictions and in general on referenda. I would want to examine more closely the details of the tract deed restriction to find out how binding it actually is, if there's room for change or elimination. But certainly, if that is contractually valid and it's in place, then it's probably not legitimate for someone to come along and simply say, I don't like that, so we're going to vote to overturn it. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you there. 
my opinion is it's a deed of restriction wins hands down. I don't think there's any question. Because as a libertarian, I believe you have the right to live your life your way, provided you respect the rights and property of others. Golden rule, right? So Biddle the Quaker, Mr. Ms. I don't know. I don't know anything about Mr. Biddle, Ms. Biddle. But Biddle owned the property. Biddle said no alcohol. And just like you can say no alcohol in your own home or no smoking or no political discussions at dinner or whatever it is. You said hey, he owned the property. He, he did. Owned, he owned that property. He did. There you go. Private property rights. That's Case right. closed. We're done. He put, it, he put it in the deed and that was it. It's his property. It's his choice. And, you know, I went into great lengths on the whole property issue in depth on episode nine, except I was talking about bathrooms. Not wet or dry towns. That was a good one too. I had a our, our guest dropped out unexpectedly, so I talked about the whole ba- who can use which bathroom deal. That's pretty good. Check it out, episode nine. <clears throat> but regardless, it's still the same issue. Because can your neighbors come along and order you to allow alcohol and smoking in your house, or force you to start talking politics at dinner? With I mean, that prohibition, I mean, it's your house. It's, or it's in your deed of the property. Can they do that? No. You know, it, it gets worse. It's They're trying to strike another blow against you owning your own property. Senator Tim Kearney, who represents Swarthmore, says there's a bill now in the state house that decrees that a local referendum is going to outweigh a deed restriction. That right there tells me that the deed restriction is going to win because right now referendums don't trump deed restrictions. Otherwise, why would they need the law at all? Yes, yes, you could say, oh, wait, that's democracy. But I like to quote Ben Franklin, Pennsylvania's most famous citizen, quote, democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. And on that culinary note, I think that's going to do it for the you portion of the show. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be visiting with today's guest, the founder and chief administrative officer of the Mathematics, Civics and Sciences Charter School of Philadelphia, Veronica Joyner. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Hey, here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. 
Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. It's up on our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, please add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on the top of your mind. Get your friends to sign it, your neighbors, your coworkers. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, <clears throat> coughing at you. And welcome to the then portion of episode 28 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is all cultural, or maybe I should say educational, if I want to be a little more precise. We have here Veronica Joyner, the founder and chief administrative officer of the Mathematics, Civics, and Sciences Charter School of Philadelphia. She was founded 20 years ago. She's been there, and she's still there today. Her bio is extremely impressive. She's been a teacher since 1974, a champion of parental involvement in kids' educations, founder of Parents United for Better Schools, PUBS, PUBS for short, cute name, clever, has a membership of over 20,000 parents, and it's parent-funded, too. That really strikes a note in the libertarian in me. They provide GED tutoring for use of all ages and trade school for adults. Her school is recognized as one of the top 10 schools in Pennsylvania. She's also served as an advisor and given presentations to a long list of organizations and media outlets. She's even hosted her own radio show, which is why it's good to have her here. And she's received an overwhelming number of awards and recognition for her service to, commun to the community. I have a list here. There's like, I counted, there are 38 of them, and I'm not going to even try to read them all. Because if I did, we'd be here the rest of the afternoon. Veronica, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Thank you. Well, we're out of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Well, let's, let's start at the, at the very top. Why? Why do you do all of this? Well, as a citizen, I think it's my civic duty to make sure that parents are advised of their rights and represented when needed and that um, children are educated mm -hmm. in Philadelphia particularly and I started a tutoring program in the school to make sure that the children at NMI school are educated and that they're taught civics 
so that they're doing community work mm-hmm. and making the world a better place. Wow. That sounds like sounds like political dynamite, too. Yes. Now, you run a charter school. Now, yes. what, what's the difference between a charter school and a regular government school? Well, public schools and charter schools are both public schools. Parents don't pay a tuition, and they're funded by the Pennsylvania Department of Education and the federal government. You know, when you said that, everyone really struck a chord with me because we do pay tuition. I mean, I, I live out in Abington Township, and our property taxes are, are fairly high. You're absolutely correct. And so we do, we do pay for right. that. Right, but no tuition from the parent. Uh-huh. Yes, I pay property taxes as well. Uh-huh. Yes. Now, so you're, you're funded by the Commonwealth? Is that on the same level as the regular schools in Philadelphia? Charter schools get far less than your traditional public schools. Well, how do you make up the difference? Being a good budgeter. Ah, I love it. Boy, oh boy. I tell you, you're really, really twanging the heartstrings on this libertarian. That's, that's the kind of stuff I like to hear. Because we mentioned about pubs, how you have that self-funded as well. Yes. Well, because we're such advocates, no one wants to fund us because we're not saying what they want to hear really? in terms of schools in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Yes. Can you give us an example? Well, there's been a couple of filings uh, regarding difference in treatment of children in public schools, and marking guidelines were implemented. And then there was another time when children in the Northeast received hot lunches, and inner-city children did not receive hot lunches, but were sent home early. So we threatened to file charges because (laughs) in public accommodations, you can't give one group but not the other. So 30,000 minority high school children in Philadelphia got hot lunches. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. There's there's no grass growing under your feet. Oh, no. I'm, I'm certainly an advocate for the right, not the right in terms of left and right, but the right in terms of morals and values and doing the right thing. Uh-huh. And, and that's what it comes down to. It's doing the right thing. Yes. And that's the same thing with me in politics. I, I don't see this as me following an agenda or anything like that. I just follow the political golden rule. Your life, your way, as long as you respect others. Yes. I'll put you on the spot. Do you, do you believe in that, that you should respect? You should. Everyone. I do it at my school. So you're a libertarian. Everyone is respected. Yeah, everyone is respected. Everyone is helpful. Uh-huh. Everyone is expected to be helpful and to be kind and to do something to make the world a better place. Now we're collecting water. So our children are bringing in cases of water. And then we're going to um, get a truckload and take it to Newark, New Jersey, to assist with the issue of lead and the water there. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, in fact, one of my clients, they just had to shut down all their water because the city of Trenton, their water supply was over-leaded. Yes. Yeah, and that happened. We um, The last we sent water to Puerto Rico when the hurricanes came through, um, we did New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So our children are expected under civics to do things. Um, city council, they go, they had a, a resolution passed. Um, to honor Philadelphia police officers. And we do that the last Thursday in May every year. We have all the officers come in and have a great meal for them. And the children uh, publish two books, Police Officers Are Heroes. Uh And then they go out and do voter registration, which is required. They do it in the community. And they volunteer, and they're spotlighted for their volunteerism. Uh Uh-huh. 
You know, I, I'm listening to you saying about the, the quality of your students, and I, I have to add that that's what brought you to my attention in the first place. Believe it or not, there was a plumber at your school doing some plumbing work, and he came back and he said, you are not going to believe what I saw. This is a, a school in Philadelphia, you know, down deep in Philadelphia, and Everybody's friendly. The place is clean. The attitudes are positive. And he was just going on and on. I said, go on. Yes. Yes. And these are expectations. And you've been there 20 years. 20 years. So perfect attendance. Perfect. What? Your perfect attendance. Yes. I go to work every day. Uh Uh-huh. I look forward to going to work every day because I'm changing minds. You are blessed. Yes. Thank you. And I am the same way. I I love my work. And people ask me, why aren't I retired? I says, well, dude, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, and I'm getting paid for That's it. it. That's it. It's and worth you, it. When you do what you love, you never work a day in your yeah, life. Absolutely correct. I say it all the time. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that he was telling me are unbelievable. Zero dropout rate? In zero. The inner, in inner city Philadelphia? Yes, zero dropout rate. I don't lose anyone, so they know. They have to finish it. They have to finish the race. <laughs> and I'll help them across. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's what it takes. It's that yeah. personal approach. How big are your classes? 22. 22. It was 20, but the demand pushed us to 22. Uh-huh. We have about 1,600 waiting and 1,000 plus in. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. you got to have a waiting list with that kind of a... Yes, we do. So the, the students are already motivated. Yes, they are. And, and the love that's given. You know, my teachers always uh, have to show love. That's the key. Uh-huh. Um, our mission is to graduate students prepared to enter college, vocational schools, and today's workforce. Uh-huh. What kind of a college... Graduate uh, people headed to college. What kind of a rate do you have? About ninety-seven percent of our graduates wow. go to college, and we find money for them. That's amazing. Yeah, ninety-six percent of our population come from low-income families, poverty. Really? Yes. And you and you motivate these people not only to finish high school, but virtually everyone goes on to college. Yes, yes, and they're in every area. Wow. We have medical doctors. We have lawyers. Uh, we have engineers, we have nurses, we have teachers, and every profession, uh, we have graduates to enter those professions. And they have pulled not only themselves up, their families, and um, they've obtained the education that they can show something to get a job. Uh-huh. And they're not going to prison, they're going to college. And I've often said I've closed one prison and I'm working on the second one. Good for you. I love it. I'm curious. You said 90% plus of your students go off to college. That tells me, I suppose, that you are up through the high school range. But I'm wondering, at what age or what grade level do you start accepting students at the bottom end? First First through 12th. Yes. And about 50%, 40 to 50% of our High school students end up in the public schools, traditional public, and they enter the magnet schools. Mm-hmm. And so the school district actually gets credit for our eight years of hard work. And then the replacements aren't always on level, but we're willing to work very hard with those students to get them to college. Wow. Fantastic. Now, I've done a lot of interesting things in my life. I've run for governor couple of times, and I find that it's not something you can do by yourself. Uh, what kind of a team have you assembled 
help you do this? Or are you really a one-woman band? <laughs> I have a team, and I also ran for state representative twice. Thank so you very I'm much. sure that was not the area God wanted me to go into. So I take that loss as a gain. Um, I have a team of people. We work as a team, and I tell them teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. And so everyone works, and I handpick everyone. I have about 130 staff members. That much? Yes, and yeah. I pick everyone. And I, I do pretty good. I guess I probably have about a 97, 98 batting rate for selecting people that care. Uh, I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. And how many students did you say are in the school? There's about a thousand, maybe sixty now. Over a thousand. So you're talking what's that? One staff member to every ten kids. Well, we have eight in elementary school. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, to assist teachers. <clears throat> and we have security, of course, office staff, if nursing staff. Uh-huh. And I would say maybe 35 students that are graduates work at our school as teachers, most of them. So they, when they graduate, they come back? Yes, they have priority to any job they qualify for. That's very cool. That's, it's kind of like Toastmasters because the, the best of our speakers always come back. And my goal is to turn the school over to the graduates. Uh-huh. I remember seeing that in the video. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and what, you saw all of them there waving. They, yep. They're the ones that work for us. And I will include a link to that video in the show notes on okay. this because it's it's only about five minutes long, but it is it is amazing. Definitely amazing. Yes. Now, it shows that your students take a daily pledge. Yes, Could, they have they have classroom pledges. Could you recite that? What do they change from grade to grade? It changes. Yes, uh-huh. they're different pledges. That the students have. With, let's let's get the range. What do, what do the first graders do? What do the twelfth graders do? The first graders will say something, a pledge themselves to to learn, to come to school, to be kind uh, to one another, to show love, to help, and um, <clears throat> be good citizens, mm-hmm. and to come to school every day to learn. And how about the twelfth graders? Same thing? 12th graders, they do pledges, but they're not really big on it. (laughs) What teenager would be, right? Right. (laughs) My guest today is Veronica Joyner, founder and chief administrative officer of the Mathematics, Civics, and Sciences Charter School of Philadelphia. I'm your pastor, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, Pennsylvania at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267 267- Eight We Rock, or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey, Ken Crutchuk here, caster of the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? 
Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio podcast. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y dot com. Do you have the, free, the financial freedom that you imagined you would have? At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We offer planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. Call AJ Freedom Financial today to talk to a qualified professional. 866-383-6899. That's 866-383-6899. AJ Freedom Financial, helping Pennsylvanians achieve financial freedom from the man. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Gradient Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance products and services are offered through A.J. Freedom Financial. A.J. Freedom Financial is not affiliated with Gradient Securities, LLC. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and we're back with episode 28 of the Pennsylvania Project and my guest, Veronica Joyner, the founder and chief administrative officer of the Mathematics, Civics, and Sciences Charter School of Philadelphia. And you're still here. I haven't scared you off yet. No. <laughs> Give me time. I, I still have my rant coming up. You know, I'm, I'm listening to what you said when, when I heard about it. I couldn't believe it. When I spoke with you before the show, I couldn't believe it. I'm listening to you now, and it, it's just, it's all stunning. How are you being received by the Philadelphia School Board? Mm. Oh, she's smiling. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. Um, it, it's competition. Um, my biggest concern is that when the Philadelphia public schools are over charter schools, um, there are overseers, and it's a conflict of interest, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because we both enroll the same students. So when charter schools are closed, the children go back to the traditional public school. Uh huh. Are they closing? I, I must admit I'm not paying that close attention. Charter schools are closing? They're closing. About 16 have been closed thus far. Uh huh. I guess I hear the same sort of thing from homeschool kids who wind up going back to the government schools. Yes. They feel like they've lost something they, they never appreciated. Yes, and I just, I'm very saddened by that because um, choice for parents is dwindling. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a right of the parent to have a right to choose. We choose where we live, 
where we eat, but we cannot choose the basic um, of education for our children. We don't get to choose. You're stuck with us, uh-huh. and there's no competition, or we wipe out the competition. Uh-huh. Or we set higher standards for the competition and use that to wipe them out. Uh-huh. Boy, it sounds like you should be thinking about running for state representative again, because that's, that's where the action is. Yeah, I just keep in contact with a lot of them, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the children attend my school. But Are they closing, or have they been closed? And if the la- if the former closing, since your school is such a success, do you have any insight as to why they might be closing? Well, they like to close schools that are being successful, in my opinion. Oh, they are being closed, not closing. They have closed many of them. And I have come under threat. From your fellow educators? From the school district. Wow. Why? Why? I mean, these are the people that we're entrusting our children to. Why are they trying to shut down an obvious success story? Competition. You don't see McDonald's over Burger King. They both sell burgers. Uh So when your competition oversees you, there are a lot of obstacles that one must fight along with fighting the education, getting education for children. You have to fight outside forces as well. Uh So what what are you competing over? Dollars or students? It's it's dollars and students. It's money. It's Uh money. Does it always come back to that? Yes, it's always money. But, you know, I'm a fighter, so. <laughs> I know you're a <laughs> yeah, fighter. Yes. You know, I have a list of here. I mentioned the 38 awards that you've gotten. I have a list here of complaints that you have won against the Philadelphia School Board for Marking Guidelines, the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission on Busing, SEPTA for harassing students, child molestations, free SEPTA tokens, stopping condom distributions, which I'll come back to during my rant. Dirty swimsuits, getting swimsuits for the kids actually washed before they put them on, properly washed, and removal of an abrasive, abusive principal in Coatesville, and a school district president up in Wyoming Valley. You are Uh a fighter, my lady. Yes, and I'm good at organizing parents. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why I called my organization, Parents United for Better Schools, uh-huh. so that parents could fight for the improved schools. But I ended up fighting a lot of other things, not fighting the fact that our children don't have textbooks and that in the basement of the school district of Philadelphia, there are to the ceiling books stacked that are not being used. Mm. Wow. There were several articles written about that and pictures. So we started, through Parents United, giving free school supplies to public school teachers. So we've given over 100 teachers school supplies, uh-huh. pencils, paper, um, anything a, a teacher would need, markers, uh-huh. board erasers, sharpeners, and paper. The basic paper, pencils, and ink pens. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yes, and the teachers are very happy to get them. We have the schools listed that we've provided, uh-huh. and we're doing it again this year. A hundred schools, or say a hundred teachers. A hundred, yeah, a hundred teachers. hundred teachers. Mm-hmm. How do you target these people? How do you find out about them? Uh, word of mouth, many of them. Uh-huh. I work with other organizations that recommend teachers to call me. Mm-hmm. And so we have the supplies delivered to the schools, or the teachers can come and pick them up. Uh-huh. And so this is going on almost every day. Wow. Yes. Uh, well, now you're probably going to have some more people, not just the listeners, but I'm... Now I, I, I know a friend in the business who's going to be able to do exactly what I would do if I was in your position because you're, you're doing it yourself. I have, I have a saying. It's 
the mantra, or mantra as people like me to say, of the grassroots activist. It's easy to remember. It's ten words, two letters each. If it is to be, it is up to us. Yes. And if you want to make it personal, you can say, it is up to me. That's it. And that's what I do. I know. I don't wait for things to happen. I make them happen. <laughs> that's right. There's no such thing as luck. You make yeah, your own luck. you make luck. it happen. That's it. That's it. And I'm a doer. Yeah, I'm a doer. And, and I like to help. So between the two things, I'm constantly helping. I got a call this morning from a daycare that was cited because their tables are not tables that for children in the daycare. And so I got my credit card out, and those tables are probably going to cost me about $1,500. But I'm willing to put the money up to, to make sure that the children have the tables. Wow. Pardon the euphemism, but you demand, woman. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look, I, I save my money to give away. Uh-huh. <laughs> you will. That's great. You live, do you live in the city? I do. I live in Andorra. Uh-huh. And that's not far, right above Roxborough. Yep, that's pretty sexy. I stay in the city. I love Philadelphia. I do too. I'm yes. born and raised in this town. Yes, me I, too. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine leaving it. Yes, and I also went through Philadelphia's public schools. Uh huh. No, I went. I went to the Catholic school system. That was that was interesting. Yes, I, very that, very strict system. It is, and you know, I our, our kids went through the government schools, and I would threaten them with Catholic schools. So you better get good grades, or it's Catholic school for you. Because mm-hmm. I still have scars on the back of my knuckles from the nuns, mm-hmm. good nuns hitting me with the oh yeah with the rulers. Rulers. I, I went to Catholic school during my early kindergarten years uh-huh. and preschool, mm-hmm. and wanted to be a nun. That was my goal. Mm. Wow. I see myself as a nun. I certainly see you as a saint. A saint, that's what came to my mind as well. no question about that. That's great. Saint Veronica. Yes. Yes. And you know, our newest granddaughter, she is four months old now. Her name is Veronica as well. A beautiful name. It must be. Yes, yes, yes. A spiritual name as well because it appears in the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, it's been a long time since I read my Bible. I used to be able to recite all 102 books and things like that. Speaking of reciting the Bible, my brother tells me that I sound like a Jehovah's Witness when I quote from the Pennsylvania Constitution. And I have relatives who are Jehovah's Witnesses, and they agree with that statement. And I, I save this question for last. We're running out of time. Do you teach the Pennsylvania Constitution to your kids? No. It came to mind when you mentioned it. We teach the United States Constitution. Thank you. But it will be added, the Pennsylvania Constitution. Thank you very much. Because Article 1, Section Article 1, Section 25 says all of Article 1 is removed from the power of government forever. So there's some dynamite in there, political dynamite. And I had a, an episode, I'm not going to remember which one it was, 21, uh, I'm guessing off the top of my head, it's right in around there, where it's all about, we did a deep dive into the Constitution. And our petition mentions 17 provisions of the Constitution that they are blatantly ignoring. And my opinion is they're being ignored because nobody knows it, right? I was never taught it. I've never, I've met not even a handful of people who are taught the Pennsylvania Constitution. I have a burning question. Do we have time? Uh, barely. Okay, let's do it barely. I'm curious. I came up with this one today, Veronica. In, back in the competition area, what applies to you and what does not with regard to state mandates? In other words, will the state say you have to teach your children to tell on their parents if they don't recycle? If they are going to be taught that they at the beginning of each class day, they can specify their gender pronoun for the day. How do you fall into that or how are you subject to that, if at all? 
or how do you resist it may be a better question. Well, we basically teach our children to respect everyone regardless of gender. Nice. And it's good if you recycle. They're not forced to, but it's good if they do. Uh-huh. I agree. It helps the planet. Yes. Veronica, any last comments? We are out of time. And it goes so quickly all the yes, time. Yes, it does. And well, how to find her. Fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can be contacted by contacting the Mathematics, Civics, and Sciences Charter School. And it's located at 447 North Broad Street. And our number is 215-923-4880. That's 215-923-4880. And Parents United for Better Schools can be contacted at 215-844-5525. That's 215-844-5525. Excellent. This has been an eye-opening episode, and thank thank you so much, so much for showing up. Thank you. Anytime. And that's going to wrap it up for the them portion of our show. My thanks again to Veronica Joyner, the founder and chief administrative officer of the Mathematics, Civics, and Sciences Charter School of Philadelphia. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw. If we don't let our kids get away with certain things, why do we let our government get away with them? The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Sue, how's it going? Eh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax. I have better things to do than figure out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Well, then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's that damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms? Yep, and they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Hmm. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. Thanks. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Crosshock here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 28 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant about something that really sticks in my craw. And the question du jour is this. If we don't let our kids get away with certain things, why 
do we let our government get away with them? And I have to start off by giving my thanks to libertarian Stephen Landsberg for the inspiration for this rant. I met him many, many moons ago, and I still remember the conversation we had. So let's start with the premise. The kids say the darndest things. At least that's what Art Linkletter said on his old 50s show, House Party. Veronica, you got to remember that show. You certainly do, yeah. There's a new one. Uh, I don't watch TV, so I guess I missed that one. Well, seriously, though, I'd be pretty careful about gainsaying Mr. Linkletter because it appears that he's likely to have the last laugh on this one. Why? Well, we've all heard about the SATs, the scholastic assessment tests that we all took to get into college, at least some of us did. But you know they're now talking about assessment testing for kindergarten kids? Can you believe it? SATs for little kids? But I can see it just now. Okay, boys and girls, take out your number two crayon, open your booklets. (laughs) I'm not too sure how this assessment test would work out. But I do know one thing. If the world's children are anything like my kids, the testers are in for one really tough task. Because sometimes a lot of the answers don't fit the available multiple choice, multiple choice bubbles. Let me give you an example. And I mentioned this one before back in episode 23, not too long ago, when I was talking about graces, curses, and how people raise their kids. Because when my eldest was about three, she asked if she, she could have a cookie. And of course, I asked the obvious question, what's the magic word? And she said, please. Come on, people. What's the word? Please. 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 Thank you. Me being in a playful sort of mood that day, I asked my daughter, oh, yeah? What does please mean? Well, she took my question seriously, as only a three-year-old could. She thought for a moment, and then she announced, it means I want it now. (laughs) You see, I'm worried about those assessment tests. I'm sure they don't have a bubble for that sort of an answer. And, you know... And personally, I hadn't thought about the word please in those terms before, but I learned something from my kid that day. And it wasn't the last thing I learned, believe you me. But that's what got me thinking, what else can we learn from our kids when it comes to the political scene? There's always an election coming up, and I was wondering what sort of insights we can gain about the hot political issues today if we look at them through the eyes of a child, seen from the perspective of a child's world. Maybe we'll find out that the correct answer is not one of the multiple choices on that assessment exam. Ready? Let's start with everyone's favorite, taxes. Right now we have progressive taxation. The rich pay more, the poor pay less. And of course, if you don't pay, it's big trouble. But think about it. Is this how we raise our children? When your kid is playing down the playground, and if one kid has 10 Beanie Babies or whatever the latest fad du jour is. I'll pick on Beanie Babies. That's what my kids did. But let's say your kid only has two Beanie Babies. The other kid has ten. Your kid has two. Do you tell your kid it's okay to go up and take a few of the other kids? Do you tell them that? Well, yeah, we believe believe in sharing, but would you tolerate that sort of behavior at the playground? Just go up and take a few because they have more? Of course not. Let's take it a step further. Suppose all the kids at the playground got together and voted to take away those beanie babies. Would you call that the price you pay for playing in a civilized playground? I doubt it. I think I'd call the cops. Let's look at international trade. Suppose your kids were at the playground selling off their excess 5,000 beanie babies. It seemed like my kids had that many. And they're selling them for a buck a piece. But then the kids from the poorer neighborhoods down the road get wind of it. And they show up and start selling theirs for 50 cents a piece. And of course, if they're anything like my kids, they'd complain. But do you think it would be fair 
to go to the playground supervisor and tell them to keep out those foreign traders so they wouldn't be dumping beanie babies into our local playground? Of course not. You wouldn't do that. It's not fair. What about the environment? We always teach our children that we should preserve endangered species. Save the whales, they say. Extinction is forever, we tell them. But then on the other hand, we tell them how proud we are of how we have eradicated, for the most part, measles, malaria, polo, polio, and all that without a guilty twinge of conscience. You never hear anybody say, save the AIDS virus. Well, obviously, we're not telling the kids the whole story, are we? And speaking of AIDS, how about sex education? Some of the government schools are teaching safe sex these days. Be sure to take precautions, kids, because unprotected sex is bad, they say. I don't know about you, but I don't think the government has any role teaching my kids anything about sex. But if they're going to teach kids how to do one bad thing safely, why stop there? If they're going to teach safe sex, why don't they also teach, I don't know, safe crime? Now, Johnny, be sure not to use a gun when you rob someone because guns turns a misdemeanor into a felony. Then they hand out condoms at schools? Why don't they hand out ski masks, too? Man, oh, man. How about public broadcasting? PBS supporters are quick to point out how their share of the budget is far cheaper than the cost of one nuclear submarine. Yeah, but wait a minute. All that ice cream goes to pay for that submarine. That comes from the same unwilling taxpayers. It's kind of like saying, sure, I stole a cookie, but I knew someone who stole a bicycle. Cut me a break. How about unruly behavior? Nasty behavior. If, If Johnny pushes Janie, do we punish Bobby? No, of course not. But what about when some group starts demanding reparations for some ancient evil, whether it's for former slaves or the Japanese Americans or whoever? Why are the taxpayers on the hook for the reparations? Was that you doing those radiation experiments on the Japanese? Was it me? How about quotas? Quotas are another one. The whole bunch of government projects are minority set-asides, equal opportunity, even racial preferences in awarding of contracts. Even Harvard University has their thumb on that scale when it comes to their admissions. It's not a level playground. Can you imagine seeing that sort of behavior at the playground? Do we tell our kids, excuse me, you got to play with that boy because he's black or Worse yet, the converse. You can't play with her because she's white. Would we do that? Of course not. But our government does it. Kids do say the darndest things, don't they? All right, let's take a giant step back. And let's do a quick assessment ourselves right here of what we learned today. And to make it easy, let me make them all true and false questions. So open up your test booklets and sharpen that number two Crayola again. Ready? True or false? It's okay to take toys from kids who have more toys than you do. False. False. True or false? It's okay to use the force of government to boost your profits. False. True or false? It's okay to eradicate entire species. False. True or false? It's okay to do bad things as long as you do them safely. False. (laughs) True or false? It's okay to punish the innocent. False. True or false? It's okay to base your actions on the color of someone's skin. False. Be sure you give these questions careful thought, because there's always another election coming up where we all have the chance to demonstrate what we can learn from our kids. 
So when you open up that test booklet that's called the voting booth curtain and pull out your number two finger, well, whatever finger, (laughs) remember one important lesson. If you don't want to take that sort of behavior from your kids, don't take it from your elected officials. To repeat what I said to Veronica a little bit ago, if it is to be, it is up to us. On that scholastic note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 28 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there, too, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday and 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia. I get confused on that one. And it's released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Featured Toastmaster narrator is Sue Hawkins. Featured Toastmaster cohort, distinguished Toastmaster Art Farnsworth. <coughs> Excuse me. Keyboard wizard Joe the Pag. Radio producer Brett Kronberger behind the glass over there. Executive producer Mark Bazzacco. And me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Problem.